You're listening to Kiss My Aesthetic, your go-to podcast for bragworthy branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co. Let's dive into the episode. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm so excited to have web designer extraordinaire repeat guest, Georgia. Welcome back to the pod. Thank you. I'm excited to be here again. I think this is number two or number three. A two or three, who knows? I feel like we talk enough as it is on voice memos on Instagram. So we are very in the loop with each other. And for anyone who doesn't know, Georgia is the partner of MKW Creative Co. We send all of our website design clients to her. We have for a long time. But for anyone who doesn't know you, give us like your spiel. Of course. So my name is Georgia. I am a St. Louis-based WordPress and show it web designer. I work with any industry, any size business. And my biggest focus is just building a website that grows with your business, not against it. So I really focus on the educational side of things, doing very comprehensive training videos, and then just being a resource down the road when somebody is like, hey, my business is blown up. I'm ready for a redesign, a bigger site, all of the things. You offer a lot of different services. Obviously, the designer days we talked about on the last podcast, but you also do larger website builds. You're dabbling into the e-commerce. You've definitely done real estate websites before. What's the whole breadth of what you bring to the table from a web design standpoint? Yeah, so pretty much anything that is web design is going to be within my wheelhouse. I categorize it into two different areas. We've got the designer days, which is a really good fit for, let's say, your brand new entrepreneur. You are making your very first website. You don't need all of the bells and whistles quite yet. That's going to be a really good option for you. It's for smaller scale things. And then I have just very extensive custom web design, and that's going to cover anything from e-commerce. I've got people who are wanting to book Airbnb listings, but have direct booking now on their sites, getting into like portfolio listings, really advanced blogs with lots of different dynamic content. They've got paid ad networks on there. So all of those things are well within my wheelhouse as well. Ooh, we love it. How many websites do you think you've done for MW Creative Co. so far? It's definitely more than a dozen. Yeah, I would say maybe... 20 something right now. I have a portfolio, literally just MKW clients. And I love those ones because they've got the best branding. So they look really good. Yeah, no, it's been really fun to see it come to life. I'm so glad I stopped offering website design because I was doing Squarespace sites like in 2017. And it just did not work for my brain. Like I love to make it look good visually, but then getting the workflows and the processes and then get making sure it scales from mobile to desktop and all that stuff was like so overwhelming to me. So to be able to like ax that from my services list and be able to have someone that's a go-to. And then you kind of had that feeling kind of with branding, right? Like you used to offer brand design and help with some of that stuff. And then you're like, yeah, I want to stick with what I'm good at, right? Yeah, 100%. I used to offer it because I felt like when I started my own business that I kind of had to, you see branded web designer, branded web designer. And I was like, I should do that. And no, I freaking hated it. That's not my thing. Can I do it? Yeah. Is it really what fills my cup with joy? No. So I'm going to let you handle that. I'll handle just the website side of things. But I think that was something that took me maybe a year to kind of figure out, wow, I really do not want to design a logo for anybody or pick their colors or pick their fonts or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. The way I describe it to our clients that ask me, oh, so do you guys do website design? Like, oh, I want to work with you for branding or rebranding. Do you do websites? And I said, nope, we don't touch websites, (laughs) but we have a great website partner for you to work with. And it's really nice because we are essentially just handing her all the ingredients to be able to like cook up something great. Talk to us about the difference between someone who like has branding organized and someone who doesn't have branding organized and what that means for your process. 
well, if they don't have it, I'm not going to work with them. So that's the, (laughs) that's the process, Michelle. That's it. No, but in all seriousness, I do offer like for my very basic, like they just need a single page site. They really don't have anything going on. I have like a pre-curated font guide they can pick from. And I tell them you're not getting a logo. You're getting your business name written out in the header font, which some people might be like, that's a typeface logo. Great. It's not a logo. It's just not the same thing. So that's what I offer as a solution workaround for somebody who just really is very starting out. But Biggest difference on a website that has very comprehensive, well thought out branding is that the website's going to look kick ass. If it's not, like if it doesn't have the brand patterns and the fonts that were really well thought out and all of the different submarks that come with logo design, because it's the main logo, you're going to see it maybe in the top left or maybe on the main menu. And that's kind of it. Like all of those other elements are what make up the big part of the website design. And I feel like a lot of people just focus on logo, logo, logo. And it's like, those other aspects, like those other ingredients are really what I'm focused on for your website design. We did one that was for, oh man, I have so many examples, but let's say Berta because she edits the podcast. Her website has so many fun graphics because of her branding. We had all of these fun illustrations, these different like blob elements with beautiful gradients. If she didn't have branding, her website would not be nearly as cool and also just a very cool customer experience. When you go on there, you're like, wow, this person has their stuff together. This looks very professional. I absolutely have that heck yes feeling of I want to work with this person. So that's the long version of like, yeah, this branding is very important. I think it's well worth the investment and it is not just logo design. Right. Let's rewind back to your list of elements that you were just talking about. You mentioned fonts, you mentioned patterns, you mentioned submarks. What other things do you need to make a website really, really, really great? The colors as well, obviously part of branding, copywriting, huge thing, and also huge misconception that website designers offer copywriting. (laughs) I have a background in content marketing, so I can do it. I offer basically Google Docs with prompts that are custom to each of my clients. That's been really, really popular. And now I have actual SEO keyword research backing it up. So I think it's a really good solution. But if somebody has the investment capability to actually invest in copywriting, that is so important because that's what's actually framing out each of the pages. Also from my end to quote out their project, there's a big difference between a homepage that has like one section and a homepage that they've now turned into a sales page because they just all over the page with all this content that makes no sense. There's no strategy behind it. All of those things. That is also something I have to kind of explain to a lot of newer clients too, is that copywriting is not what's in your footer with the little copyright symbol. It's the written content on your website. So that's one of the things I actually added on to my initial project inquiry form is saying, hey, do you have this? And then specifying, I wrote it myself, I worked with the copywriter, or I'm ready to invest in that, or I think I can figure it out type of thing to kind of figure out what stage that they're actually at. Yeah, I think the way that we use websites is way different too, right? Like even since we've both started our careers is you used to find someone on social media and go to their website to see if they were legit. And now the website is kind of more of, sometimes it's the entry point, but sometimes you end up going back to the social to legitimize the website. So they're kind of more on equal status because there's a lot of people that put a lot of junk on their website. Or likewise, you get to their website and there's nothing there. So Where's that sweet spot between this is informational and useful for the audience versus we're not going to put, like you just said, 500 different page types in your website? Yeah, it's one of those it depends type of scenarios because it just depends. Like I've seen a lot of folks too that have just relied so heavily on social media, like they're 
sort of in the influencer space. They have the worst graphics you've ever seen in your life. And they're making six, seven figures and power to them. I think that's awesome. Do I think it's kind of dumb? Your you know, social media could go down tomorrow. Yeah, like you could be really also killing the affiliate marketing game with your website and getting all of that ad network revenue. But it's really going to come down to what the goal is. If you're brand new in business and you have a concept, maybe that's sort of new, maybe it's on the techie side, or maybe it's just not a very familiar area for people, you're going to need to lean more into the educational side of things. Maybe having a blog that breaks down some of the simple things, having a portfolio that really speaks to whatever you're doing, if that's applicable to what you're doing. Those are going to be very key parts of your website. If maybe you're more one-on-one based, maybe you're doing coaching, you're probably going to want to lean more into the personality side of things, like make that about page really pop out with details so people can connect. It just really comes down to the industry. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I'd say the wrong answer would just be not having it at all. And also just having, like you said, way too much content. I think I see that a lot on homepages are culprits for that. And then also contact pages, like just get to the point, like I just want to contact you. I do not need to read about your mission and your values and all that stuff. Yeah, I think you've determined the function, right? Like, and the way I've approached my website, at least is like, by the time someone's on my website, there's a 99% chance they saw my work on social. So I want to show them like, here's the work actually organized in a way that's going to be useful to you. But also like, here's the prices, here's the contact form, go for it, like serve yourself kind of thing. Because I think it's also tricky with service based businesses of people kind of like, bury the call to action under like what you're talking about, like, core values and mission and vision. And here's a picture of me on vacation in Hawaii. And like, it ends up being too much that you then lost the person. Like it's still a sales tool at the end of the day, right? Yeah. I think also what you said too, about having your prices on your website, I am a huge advocate for that. And I know there is such a debate on don't do it, you know, make them sign up for your email list and they have to download it. I hate that. I will hate that till the end of the days. I think it is just gives me major ick. I get it from the marketing standpoint. I just, one of those things where, can you do it? Yeah. Should you do it? Yeah. So I think having the prices directly on there and especially with you, like you're an up there brand designer, you're not entry level. So having your prices, I think is so important. And also just says, Hey, I'm very confident in what I'm doing. Like, here's what you get when you work with me. So you're not getting people reaching out and they're like expecting Michelle to design like a $300 logo and just that and nothing else. There's also different classifications of websites. I think a thing that I noticed from my clients is they're like, oh, I need a website. I was like, well, what kind of website? Is this an educational website? Is this an e-commerce website? Is this a personal blog? Because those are all very different things with different missions. Very different. What types or classifications or distinctions of websites do you walk someone through when they just say, I need website? <laughs> You're like, well, what do you need? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like you kind of just broke it down right there. The personal versus like, are they doing a blog? Are they doing e-commerce? And you can have a combination. I know a lot of people I've built sites for that have sort of the influencer side of things. They also want to sell something, whether it's their own products or more on the affiliate side of things. We're bringing in blog posts. It really comes down to that. I will say for most redesigns I'm doing, like they already have a website. They just basically need a full facelift of it. Most of the time, that's because they have just grown to a point where they have all of these different avenues of revenue, and they don't have an organized way of showing that content. It's like some of it's through Instagram, some of it's through TikTok, they're sending emails to people, and they just don't have one condensed place to get everything at. That kind of tends to be the digital online home hub of how do we organize all of these different facets and put it into one place for your audience so they can find what they're looking for without 
constantly Googling and finding your Amazon page and all this stuff. Yeah, no, that's a really great idea. We just had this conversation with a client that we're both working on where it started as one project and then turned into something else. I know what I advise them on, which is I'd rather see you guys build your house on your dream lot than to build your dream house on a lot that you are going to have to move. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. That was kind of my MO. I think we were aligned on that. I can't remember if I told you that before you talked to them or not. You did. (laughs) Yeah, I did. Okay, good. (laughs) That's the great thing about your brand designer and your web designer chatting too, is we're kind of on the same page of here's what's going to be best for this project. But like what you just said, I think knowing what your future goals are too, I never ask someone, oh, what do you want right now? I really want to be forward thinking of what do they need in the future, especially when it comes to a blog or any element of e-commerce, because there's a big difference between selling three you know, digital downloads on your website versus you have a full store of branded merch that you're selling and you need to ship internationally. And then you also need to be able to add in a custom message on it. Like those are vastly different things. So I always ask, you know, is this something you're thinking about in the future? Because if it's a year down the road, we probably want to go ahead and just invest in what you're going to need now versus if it's something 10 years down the road or you are not going to be wanting it anytime in the future, then maybe we can kind of get away with more of a simple approach right now with the idea and the knowledge that in the future, you are going to have to reinvest to build this new thing that you're wanting. And it requires totally different tools. It's not just like, what do you aesthetically want it to look different? It's that you building the site, it requires you to use different platforms, different tools. So walk us through kind of your heavy hitter list of like, these are my favorite things that I use. This is what I use consistently. This is what I know works for my clients, just in case someone's listening and wants to get a better understanding of what that entails. Yeah. So e-commerce is going to be the biggest one of them all. (laughs) Pretty much anybody who even says, I want to sell something, I need to know. Is it digital? Is it a mix of digital and physical? And especially the shipping side of things, because there are a million ways to do one shipping element. Most of the time, if somebody's going to have more than, let's say, like 15 products that are physical products that they're selling, they need to be on Shopify. Now, there's two different ways of using Shopify, though. The easiest way and usually the more cost-effective one is to just embed Shopify on your website. A lot of people don't know that you can do that. It used to be called Shopify Lite, Shopify Starter. But basically, you add all your products on Shopify, all the inventory, all the shipping, all of that is taken care of through Shopify. And I just take a little code and add it onto your WordPress or your Show It website or whatever platform you're on. So the two are working in harmony. When you get into that bigger arena of I am strictly e-commerce, that's all I want to focus on, you just need to be on Shopify directly. A lot of people will say, oh, WooCommerce, WooCommerce. I hate WooCommerce. I don't care what anyone says. I don't think it's as cost effective. I think that it's more likely to break. It's not as supported as Shopify either. There's not as much like literature around it, support things around it. So Shopify all the way. Another question I like to ask is if they are blogging, how advanced that blogging is. Like, are you just putting out a post on a monthly basis? Or are you actually like, hey, I am a travel blogger, for instance, I need posts that are categorized for Thailand and United States and Canada. And then I want to narrow down by like restaurants and all this different stuff that is going to be on WordPress at the end of the day. If you're on Shopify, that is just not going to work out as well. And then you get into what if you've got e-commerce and a blog? then you're going to be marrying the two platforms and having different sub pages that are popping up. And that's when things get really, really advanced. I mean, that's definitely for the heavy hitters that are like, I am ready to go all in. This is an investment in my business and I'm ready to go. But those are 
the biggest ones. I use WordPress primarily for any type of blogging website I build with Elementor as well. And then I've got a, a stack of plugins I like for that too. But it basically just makes it visually easy to edit. So someone like you can go in, you don't need to custom code. And then I do a full training video library so that they can very easily just take care of it themselves, send it to a VA, send it to an employee, whoever it is. I think your video library is one of your best assets that my clients tell me that they love is that they can go back and find things. Or also that when you submit design drafts for approval, I'll admit to snooping around through one of our client projects recently when I was like, I need to go take a look at what she's working on because I want to go see how she's doing this. And so I was like looking all through because you use Notion and you invited me. So it's not snooping if I'm invited, I guess. You're invited. You're on the board, Michelle. I'm in it. So tell me about that workflow onboarding process. I'm a Basecamp girly. You're a Notion girly. It's fine. It's good. It's nice to have different kinds of tools, but I think you lay it out really nicely and video communicate things really well. But walk us through your website design process. You sign a client, they give you the copywriting, they give you the branding, they give you the photography, which we actually didn't talk about yet, but the brand photos, images, et cetera. Now, what do you do? So now I'm going to move into the actual design phase. So typically it's two to three rounds of design. I design in a program called Adobe XD. Figma is another really popular one that I just have not dove into just yet. Basically the same thing though. I design in there and then I basically have an online link that I can share for them. And then I actually film a screen recording of myself talking through the design because it is a static design. I can add some video elements in there, but I'll be talking through, here's what this button's gonna do. Here's the animation feature. I want this to link here. We're gonna pull in, auto-populate this content here. The very first video they get, I always tell them, it's like your own little special Hulu episode. It's going to be about 25, 30 minutes. You can add captions on. You can speed me up, make me sound like a chipmunk if you want, whatever you need. But you do need to watch the full video because I do not do feedback calls, which is a part of my process that is a little bit different from some web designers. I found that they were just not effective for the type of clients I work with. I did not like them. And I felt that I actually really didn't get the feedback I needed. A lot of times they'd go back on what they said or they change their mind later. And I found it's because people need time to sit with their own thoughts. If you ask somebody, do you have a question? They feel like they need to have a question. And sometimes no feedback is totally fine feedback. So I send it over. They can leave comments directly on the videos. I'm talking through it. Or they also have that online link. They can pin comments directly on the design. So I've been doing that for about two to three years now. It has worked flawlessly for me. Really good system. Also, I then have those designs that I can share on social media or make Pinterest graphics or whatever. So after design, then we move into development. I pretty much leave them alone for like two to three weeks, depending on how long it is. We do hop on a call, a pre-launch call, go through the website and just make sure is anything not linked? Is this looking weird on your cell phone? We do go page by page. It's kind of a not fun call, but it does need to be completed. And then after that, connect the domain, get them launched and live. They have a support period just for any technical issues. It's not for additional editing. And then I'm filming their video library at that time because, again, something I used to do, and I think a lot of designers do this, is having a training call where they get on and they're like, here's how to edit this. Here's how to edit this. And then there's like a generic video. That was awful. I would get so many follow-up questions. Also, to be totally transparent, I don't want to be on a call for an hour going over something I know how to do. Like, it's just not fun for anyone. And they don't really want to be on the call either. So I just do a training video library now. And that's great. It sounds like having a video library is much more effective than doing a live call, because you can actually index and organize the videos so that people can go back and change the exact thing that they wanted to change down the road. 
instead of doing a live training call where someone could get distracted and ping pong all around, like, how do I change this? How do I change that? How do I change? Exactly. Yeah. And it's not summarized. It's almost like you're handing them a course on how to run their website by the time you're done with it. 100%. Yeah. And the other thing too is people are not going to watch the videos (laughs) until they need to change something. So I do, there are just some base videos, especially for WordPress sites where I'm like these five videos, it's like 15 minutes worth of stuff you need to watch immediately. And that also just from a legal standpoint protects me in case they're like, my website went down and I'm like, well, I actually know for a fact you did not open this video because I have analytics on it. So pro tip, use a software that you can see. I see people sometimes send a video library and they'll do it through like Google Drive. And that's not necessarily bad, but it's just not strategic for me to be doing. I use a platform called Loom. It is literally 10 bucks a month for limited storage. It's fantastic. I use that for all my libraries. And it also, I can see if they watched it. If they have questions later on, they can actually comment on the video directly. It gives me a timestamp. I can help them out. And then if they are working with a different designer in the future, they have an employee, they need to onboard somebody. They can very easily share these bite-sized videos with anyone that they need to, which is really, really helpful. Super helpful. And I think as our team grows and evolves as well, and we start helping our clients with more blog writing and website tinkering things, we're going to try our best not to break what you made. But I think that the support videos are going to be exactly that, right? Like it's going to walk you through step by step. It's going to show you what you need to get done so that you don't destroy everything. But also we're not clogging up your calendar with things that could be easily executed. Yeah. And that's the other thing too, is you want to meet people where they are. Like I'm envisioning this as if somebody watches this video, they've never touched a website in their life. They have all the tools necessary to edit the website the way they actually are going to see it. That's kind of the issue with a generic video is if I send you a video of Michelle and I'm like, here's how to edit a WordPress website. It's not the same website. It does not look anything similar to the website. Like that's not helpful in any way. So I think that's one of those learning things, though, where I started out looking at what everyone else was doing. And I was like, oh, training call, training call. Absolutely not. Like change your process. If it's not working, there's nothing wrong with that. And it also is now one of the things, like you said, it's one of the things I commonly get in feedback is that we love the training resources you provide it. So I'm like, absolutely. Let's keep doing that then. Oh, worth it. Let's kind of switch gears. I love chit-chatting with you about where we think things are heading and trends and tools and all the fun things because we just both are kind of those people that love consuming all the bits of the internet. What things about web design have you seen recently? Trends that you're noticing happening? Things that you're excited about that really just get you fired up being like, I can't wait for this to be part of my process. I mean, AI is everywhere. That's just... Hey, mm mm-hmm every business is getting hit with it. And I personally am excited. I see a lot of people complaining about it. They're like, it's taking jobs, it's taking this. And while I understand it, I don't necessarily think that's always a bad thing, depending on how you approach it. Because there also always has to be that human checkpoint of some, you know, chat GPT can spit something out that's totally wrong. Or like, if you're using it for a website, and it's giving you code, it's not always accurate. So there does always need to be that human element that's checking it. But I think it's exciting, especially with MidJourney. That's one of the new ones. We've talked about that a little bit. I know you're making crazy cool stuff for social. I've been playing with it more for like personal projects, but I'm personally very excited to use it for website templates because finding photography is very difficult. And it's also really hard to stand out. Like if you're looking for somebody on a computer, it's going to look like every other template out there. Somebody's on a computer. So I can now type in the very specific aesthetic that I'm looking for. And when I pass that website template to somebody who's DIYing, 
they can use the image. It's not like copyrighted. They can use it. They can redo whatever they want with it. I think it's great. It also makes social graphics a little bit easier too. I have not used it for that purpose yet, but I'm going to get there, especially for making mock-ups. I'm still trying to tweak the exact dimensions of stuff it's kicking out for me. I'm excited. I've also seen it implemented in I make WordPress websites using a tool called Elementor, and they've now added AI into almost every single prompt in the system. Okay. It's not 100% accurate. Like it'll say, you know, you can type in, I want to make a three column this, and it'll spit out code for it. I haven't quite used it for that purpose yet, just because I don't think it's going to be easy for my clients to edit later on. So I am still sort of leaning on the tool more so the way it's built originally. The other thing I think that you could totally use with Midjourney is the expand. I know they have this in Photoshop too, but like generative fill expand. Because how many times have you gotten pictures for a website that was a vertical crop that they want it to be their web banner? And you're like, <laughs> no, can't. Sorry, doesn't work that way. Like, well, can you just crop it? And you're like, yeah, but you're losing your whole subject and now it's going to look like shit. So I think you could totally be using the zoom out. Yeah, I actually just ran into this issue for a website. I worked with some makeup artists, one of the coolest projects I've worked on, and they sent me headshots and every single one of them was vertical. And I was like, you wanted these as hero images, so this will work on mobile, but now I need it for desktop too. But the background had like shadows and some different stuff in it. And I actually used the Photoshop generative, I forget the exact name of it, but I used that to create the new hero image and it, you can't tell it looks great. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, I think it's one of those things you need to learn the tool or you're kind of going to get left behind the people that are learning it and taking your clients. Yeah, no, exactly. It's one of those things. It's so obviously solving a problem that I can't imagine why somebody wouldn't want to at least use it to solve the problem. Like I get kind of people feeling weird about like using it to generate completely new things. But then again, I don't, I don't know. Like you can make vector artwork with AI now with Midjourney. I have not dabbled in that yet. Mm -mm. Uh Uh-huh. So Lauren from the Muse Studio, we're going to record a part two to the Midjourney episode that we recorded. I'm excited. I liked that episode a lot. The part one, I hadn't even opened it yet. I really should have done my research and maybe played around with the program before I interviewed somebody about it. But after that podcast interview, I was like, okay, fine. I'll teach myself. <laughs> like, fine. I'll get in on it. And then I literally like was messaging her, like I think for 48 hours straight. And I was like, oh my God. So we need to record a second part of it. But for product mockups, it's fabulous for the things that you're talking about, resizing images, the fact that you can specify aspect ratio. But for people saying that it's like, you know, it's not a far off idea for me to create a logo in Midjourney. Do you think you would? Like, could you see that being part of your process? Yes, already. Yes, absolutely. Because I've already started messing with it. Because it's a thing of, it's not a shortcut if the idea is still coming from the person. So for example, I've got a real estate group project coming up. We're talking about creating, they're a legacy brand, they're a heritage brand. They've been in this area for 50 years. I want to create like a signage mock-up that looks old and looks like their hometown. That's something you can create with Midjourney. But also I want to use Midjourney to create vector graphics to create crests and seals and monogram shapes that I can then put the letters with because Midjourney does not know how to do letters. But to at least kick off and spur the inspiration, it's no different than going to Pinterest and searching crest monogram and dragging those images into your Illustrator file like everybody does. So like 
that's been part of our process for forever. Is it stealing? No, it's inspiration. Even before that, like think print advertisement, think photography, like you're going out to take a picture of a thing to make another thing inspired by the thing. It's not that far off because mid-journey and AI, they still don't replace having good taste. I think it's also the person, you know, it's the person using the tool, not the tool itself. It's like that same concept. Because I mean, just using myself as an example of someone who is not fully adept mid-journey, I did actually play around with doing website heroes and I absolutely had the prompt wrong because it was spitting back some real ugly stuff. (laughs) But I like going to the showcase too, because you can actually see prompts other people have used if there's a certain type of artwork or anything that you really like. So I think it's great. I mean, ChatGPT too, I've used actually for almost every single website project now for the 404 page, the page not found. It's a page nobody thinks about. I never get that content from even if somebody works with a copywriter, but it is a page that has to be on every single site. So I'm just like, hey, this is the industry. Can you think of clever something that is kind of clever? Yeah. So I was working with a wedding photographer and we put the page is like on its honeymoon or something sort of cheesy on the nose, but it's nice. It like works for that. So you don't just have another boring 404 page not found. I think Midjourney creating some type of image for that, obviously with the photographer, they have their own work, but just really thinking of something creative and I think that's a great use for it. Yeah, it's a chance to like delight and surprise, right? And I think that that's what Midjourney is really bringing to the table and like AI image generation and design is that anything that you can actually imagine, you can actually make. Like it's actually real and you're not waiting for to get someone to create a rendering of a concept shop for a brand that doesn't even sell any products yet. Like I'm thinking about this with our clients. Like we have some fitness clients right now And I want them to be brainstorming in their two-year mark, what does your retreat look like in Tulum? Will you do like a gym takeover? And how do we start getting you thinking of that now? And it's so much easier when you have the images that can represent that. Because then I can communicate what I see in my head in a way that someone else can understand it. Whereas beforehand, it was just kind of like a rough sketch or like a mood board. (laughs) And they're like, I don't know how all this comes together. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure for the mood board side of things too, it's probably a little bit easier to put together a very on-brand presentation of the creative direction. I mean, you were just talking about doing like pop-up, like brand pop-ups and stuff. Being able to actually create the look that you're going for versus finding it on Pinterest. And I still see designers sharing like their mood boards they made on Pinterest, which is sort of like a gray area copyright wise. Like that's not your work. Right. Um, Whereas mid-journey when you're AI generating it, you know, it's, also not yours. Somebody else can still use that image, but you don't have that gray area. I'm sure some people are going to come on and be like, oh, like it's stealing other people's work. Okay. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think everything is sort of inspired at this point. Like there really aren't a lot of original ideas left. Sorry. Totally. And even you could be somewhere, you could be living under a rock and draw the same logo that somebody else made on the other side of the world. Like that's the thing. It's getting similar to the way that it is in music. And if you've been following any of this like music legislation, like Ed Sheeran had that big lawsuit about saying that his chord progression was stolen or it was like copyright infringement. And he's like, you can't own notes. There's only 16. Like there's only so many combinations. And yes, this song sounds like this song. You're right. But you cannot own that A, B, C, F, G. Like, nope, like, sorry. And that's exactly what we're getting to with Midjourney and with graphic design is like, Even if you put in exactly the same prompt as someone else, you're going to get a different result because the source material it's pulling from is different. So I've been trying to explain this to people that are not in this world, like my friends that are not in marketing. I was like, the thing with generative AI is you have to think about it. It's kind of like DNA. Like when you have kids, your kids aren't clones, they're siblings. 
So if you give it the same source material, it's going to combine in like lots of different ways, but you're going to get a unique output. It's not going to be a copy, 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 copy every single time that you prompt it. I feel like that sticks to people. You're very good at in- analogies. I feel like you've always got one for something. <laughs> that makes total sense. It does? Okay, good. Because it's also the way that I'm teaching myself, right? I'm just like, okay, no, I need to find a way that this makes sense. So to use Midjourney for a logo, it's like, why the hell not? I love it. I think it's going to be really cool. I'm excited to see what they come up with next for it. I'm excited to learn more about the tool, keep using it. And I mean, hey, if it wants to put together website mockups for me and make my job easier for development, I'm totally here for it. Totally. Well, because it keeps you in the driver's seat creatively, right? Like you're still the captain of the ship. You're still choosing this looks like shit. This looks good. This looks like shit. Like you still have to make those judgment calls. And those come from years and years and years of experience. And that comes from you know, this is going to function as a scrolling testimonial. And this isn't like, you'll know that because there's that humanness to it. But I love seeing these previews on TikTok of people like drawing wireframe sketches, and then taking a picture of it, uploading it to an AI, and then it's already generating out the site. Yeah, it's very, very cool. It's just one of those things where you have to learn it, or you're just going to get left behind. I understand. Oh, I'm frustrated. I spent all this time learning it. And now there's an easy way. I think of it like, almost like student loan forgiveness, people are upset because they had it hard. So they want everyone to have a rough time. It's like if there was student loan forgiveness, I'd be first in line. Like I do not care. I think it's that same just like stick in the mud mentality of like, well, I had to do this, everybody needs to it's like, no, if it's gonna make it easier for some people. Absolutely. Let's do it. Totally. I think with um, ChatGPT, we see that too. Like now with ChatGPT4, you can add plugins. Did you know this? I'm about to blow your mind. I have not done the paid yet, but I saw it and I was like, oh, should I do it? Should I? I feel like it's going to burn my productivity because I'm going to sit there playing with it instead of getting work done. <laughs> oh, no, I got so much work done. You can now give ChatGPT a YouTube video and it'll watch it and summarize it for you. Oh, that's nice. Which is lovely because an episode like this for the podcast, instead of downloading the transcription and using like Descript or whatever, which are great tools, I can just say, hey, ChatGPT, watch this video. And then I want you to kick out a 10 slide carousel Instagram slider text. Oh, okay. I'm going to steal that prompt. Yeah. The other one, and I don't even claim to be like the originator of finding all these things. This is Lauren, the Muse Studio. She's a wealth of knowledge, but she turned me on also to this plugin for ChatGPT called AI PRM. What does that do? And it's basically open source prompts written by other people ranked by how useful they were. That's great. So there's a prompt that says one word content calendar. So you could write, click on this prompt and you write cheese. And it's going to write you 30 days of social media content. I actually need that, to be honest with you. (laughs) Not for for cheese, but... (laughs) Right. So smarter, not harder. The other thing that ChatGPT4 does really well is that it gives you voice and tone. So now it'll read websites. So I can say, go read MKW Creative Co. Give me a summary of MKW Creative Co.'s voice and tone. And so then it kicked back two paragraphs. It says, MKW Creative Co. uses a sassy Southern California tone, da-da-da-da-da. Like it nailed it. It absolutely nailed it through the podcast, Kiss My Aesthetic, Michelle usually shares da 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 like crushed. So now I have that as a voice and tone guide so that whenever I have ChatGPT write something for me again, I say, write this in this tone and in this voice. Oh. So I can say, write LinkedIn posts that sound like me, basically. And the more that you talk to it in one channel about one brand, the more it gets to know that brand. So I can say, okay, ChatGPT, you can also make tables. This part, this is so crazy. I have done that. That's nice. Yeah. It's so good. Just say, I want my columns to be this. I want my rows to be this. Create a blank table. And then you can say like, populate it with the information you found from this website. 
So that's been amazing. And then I also had to like try to figure out what content I was missing. So I said, like, these are the content, these are the episode topics. Like, go to this website, read all the episode topics. Tell me what kind of content you think I should create that fills a gap in my content. And then it could do that. Did you feel like it was pretty spot on with what it gave back to you? Yes. I do have to tell myself I was pretty annoyed at ChatGPT the other day because I had, I wanted to launch a podcast. I had a name. I was like in love with it. And you gave me feedback. And I was like, mm, okay, she's probably right. But I'm just going to go ahead and get, you know, a million other opinions because who I am as a person. ChatGPT spit back the exact same thing you told me. What did I say? I was so annoyed. I don't even remember what I said. I went through like, what are the pros and cons and like longevity of this title? And it was like, the title was specific to a certain platform. And it was like, this could die tomorrow. And like, this could blah, blah, blah. And you're going to have trouble scaling. And I was like, all right, Michelle has infiltrated. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler alert. I am ChatGPT. Yeah, you're behind the scenes. (laughs) It was me. It's like Wizard of Oz, you pull back the curtain and it's just me like this, <laughs> typing. <laughs> Your yellow hat on. Just <laughs> typing furiously. Yeah, exactly. I think all the AI stuff is fascinating. I think it's going to really change a lot of our processes. But for you, I know you've got a template shop to talk about. I feel like you could build out an entire template, website template and with the copy and everything and just be like, here you go, buy it. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Like, are you taking a shortcut? Yeah, but not really because I know what I'm doing to get there. <laughs> There's still going to be somebody out there who looks at everything and they're like, yeah, but that's just not stuff I'm interested in doing. Like I still want to work with a professional. It's like take Canva, for example, you have people that are using Canva and their stuff still looks really bad. Even if they're using a template, True. you have a brand designer go in and set up your templates for you and walk you through it and make it very strategic. It's just different. Like it's just a different way of using the exact same tool for the same purpose. And one's going to get you a little bit further. But yeah, for template stuff, I really think I'm going to be leaning heavily on ChatGPT to put in copywriting prompts for what people should be putting here because that does have a huge impact on your design. And then just aesthetically, obviously, I want it to look really cool. So that's going to be a big part of it too. Yeah, no, I thought of another analogy for this. It's kind of like if you're hungry for dinner, do you want to like go to the grocery store and buy the pre-made option? Do you want to buy all the ingredients or do you want to just say, screw it, I'm going to go to a restaurant and tell them exactly what I want to eat? Yeah, spot on. Like that's a difference, right? It's like, okay, you're pre-made. If you're going to purchase a website template or a pre-made brand, like it's ready to go. Here it is. Like heat it up. It's yours. Enjoy. But you're not going to have necessarily a lot of say on like what all the ingredients are, how they come together because it's already, it's done for you, right? Versus like your DIY option is you can go to the grocery store and buy all the ingredients yourself. Knock yourself out. Go for it. It's going to take you a lot of time. It may not turn out very good. Like you're not going to get any help. It could burn. Like there's all these things that could go wrong or it could turn out fabulous. There's plenty of people that DIY their brands and DIY their websites that like it ends up being fine. Yeah, absolutely. And then you get to a level where you're like, you know what? I think I'd rather spend the money to have the professional do it and like have a really delicious meal. I think that's the point a lot of people hit with all different aspects of business, whether it's the accounting side of things, working with the designer, working with the photographer instead of taking selfies, like there just comes that point of, I just want it done correctly and also quickly because the person knows what they're doing. And that's just how it is. And it's kind of a tough lesson to learn. And you don't have any dishes to clean up afterwards. Like you get to go enjoy, partake, and then it's good. And then if you have a good enough time, you can go back. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of, I think the level of service that you and I are offering is like, We want to be that like your favorite restaurant that just happens to serve like branding or website design. Wait, I feel like that should be in your copy somewhere. That's really good. I like that. Probably. I just make stuff up. I don't know. I always black out on these podcasts and I never remember what I say. So 
It's a mystery. I should probably listen to my own episodes. <laughs> I'm actually curious. Do you not listen back to your own episodes? No, hell no. I only listen back to old episodes in preparation for people that are repeat guests, but I did not listen to ours today because I remembered it a little bit, but it also was a long time ago. I don't know. I feel like our businesses have changed and we're both interested more in like where things are going instead of going backwards. Yeah. And stuff just changes over time with business and like the type of projects you work on and also just lessons learned, all that good stuff. So, so fast. Oh, good stuff. Anything else that we're missing? Tell us about the template shop because I didn't give you a chance to really shout it out. Ooh, yeah. This is an exclusive, Michelle, because I haven't told anyone because I am under an NDA. So, but by the time this airs, we can chat about it. So, I work with a lot of different industries, but one of the industries I work the most with is real estate. And something extra special about real estate websites is you have real estate listings on there. So, kind of like when you're on Zillow, you're looking at houses and you're like, I want to buy this house. And now I need to find an agent, all of the things. Having that integration on your website as a realtor is really cool. It also comes with a very high price tag because it is all custom coded. There's a lot of technical stuff that goes into it. There's also what's called MLS approval, which is just basically the real estate world making sure that you should have that and that you have checked all the legal boxes. And it's very different per state. And it also goes through a very different timeline. So all of those things make the website process when you're a realtor kind of tricky expensive, long, and you also have to find someone who actually knows what they're doing. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there that are like, yeah, I can do that. And they don't really know what they're doing. So all that being said, I came in contact with a group called Realty Candy. Um, They're a development team that focuses exclusively on these type of integrations. So we worked on a few projects together. And then we were kind of like, hey, you know, why don't we figure out a solution to make this a lot easier for people so that they kind of have that templated experience. So for the past year, we have been working on that integration and I'm really excited. We're finally launching these things. Um, They're called Universal IDX uh, Real Estate Website Template Add-ons. And they exclusively work with a platform called IDX Broker. We won't go down the weeds on that one, but they're going to be for ShowIt. And this does not currently exist for the ShowIt platform. I constantly have people saying, I want a real estate website. I want it on show it so I can drag and drop. And I'm like, sorry, like it really needs to be on WordPress because it just, the functionality is a nightmare. But now you can basically buy the template. We will hold your hand throughout the MLS approval process. So we are right there making sure all the paperwork is correct. And then we will actually install and style the templates for you on your website. So you can get your search bar, you can get your sold listings, your current active listings, the property details, contact form that's connected to your CRM database all of the things. I'm really, I feel like I'm like out of breath. I'm like so excited. No, it's good. It's a lot of stuff to cover. I finally get to talk to somebody about this, but we're going to be doing a beta launch uh, around like mid to late August and then officially rolling them out for folks. But it's going to be an affordable, aesthetic and actual user-friendly way to get the real estate listings on your website without having to go through the very time-intensive, expensive cost of doing it. So I'm pretty, I'm very excited about this. Ooh, no, this has got my wheels turning because I've got a few real estate clients to send your way here pretty soon, which is very exciting. Lovely. Well, where can everybody find you, follow you, take advantage of the templates, take advantage of your designer days, your website builds, all of that stuff? So website is georgiagkaye.com. And then my Instagram or my TikTok or my Pinterest, any of those things is going to be georgia.g.kaye. And I'm happy to chat or help your project, whatever it is. Yay, she's also in the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group. So if you can't find her on any of those things and want to go into the Facebook group, you can totally go in the Facebook group and be like, Georgia, help me. 
Yeah, that's a good place to find either work or to find people because I just worked with somebody looking for a WordPress developer. And she's like, I literally have not found anyone. And we got connected because of the Facebook group. Oh, we love that. Well, thanks so much for your time. Bye, everybody. See ya. Thanks for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Don't forget to follow along and leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll see you in the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group for years and years of behind the scenes content and over 5,000 connections with fellow creatives. For show notes from today's episode, please visit mkwcreative.co slash podcast. This episode was edited by Berta Wired and theme music comes from Eliza Vera and Nathan Menard. Catch you next time.